Good afternoon, and welcome to the second episode of the Geo Boys podcast. I'm your host, Tanner. Joining me today are three people whose names start with M. You got Mason. I'm eating dumplings. You got Matthew. Howdy. And you got Michael. Hello there. And, um, yeah, this is the second episode of the Geo Boys podcast. First off, the, um, first episode aired last night on Spotify. So, I'm pretty happy about that. Um, second off, I forgot to explain the name of the podcast in the first episode, so, um, if y'all could kind of help me explain the origins of this, why we chose the name Geo Boys. I yeah, know. we chose the name Geo Boys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, so I think the the basic outline of the story is that um, we were all hanging out a lot during freshman year, and you know, we were taking intro classes where we would interact with people outside of our major, and um, it seemed to become known that we were all within the geology major, so people started calling us the Geo Boys, and then that sort of became adapted by people in our major, and even teachers at some points. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> and unfortunately, <laughs> and um, we eventually added the I, um, well, why did we add the I? For the memes, of course. Also because inclusivity for other people who are not boys in the traditional sense. Right, we, uh, we did hang out with a wide variety of people within our major, so it wasn't just boys, it was boys with an I. I guess that makes it gender neutral somehow. Because the internet says so, that's why. <laughs> All right. You pull up Urban Dictionary and you're like, oh yeah, it's not just male, it's everything. Yep. That's basically it. <laughs> um, and so what, what I wanted to talk about today was since, you know, we're coming near the end of our junior year, which is crazy to say, but that means we have to start registering for classes for our senior year. And so the topic of today's episode is about registering for classes and the overall experience of uh, the course curriculum of geology. Now, first of all, let me um, have y'all take a little experience back in time to about three years ago. You just graduated high school, you're about to go into orientation for UT, and you realize you have to start selecting courses for fall of 2018 what what was that process like for y'all terrifying straight terrifying like yeah, it, was, really it, was, it was it was really weird like high school like you compare it to high school to be like uh you're guaranteed to get in these classes and you get like a teach like the teacher that you get is who you get but like it was guaranteed it wasn't hectic at all 
maybe like occasionally you'd be like, oh, maybe I should take this class versus this one. But like registering for like classes for the first time as a freshman was just terrifying because like you have to count down to like the uh, time when you start registering. Like I think it was like 2 p.m. or something like that. And I don't know about y'all, but like we were all in the same like room when we registered for classes. And oh, yeah, yeah. And the the there was there was like the collective like confusion and fear because as freshmen, like all oh, classes, I remember that. Yeah, that was yeah. orientation. Fun. Yeah, it was orientation. So like you had to like try and scramble for a class, but like since all the freshmen are registering at that time, like it's whoever enters in the number for that course is whoever gets it first. So you yeah, could like system kept freezing too for some people. Yeah. So like people would have like I brought in like a list of like ten classes to just like uh pick. And I know the first ten didn't work because they were already full. So it was just a scramble to like run around and try and find a class that I liked. Yeah, I had a very similar experience and if I'm remembering cor correctly, I think most everyone within my orientation group had already selected their classes for the year and had left to go, you know, home for the rest of the summer. And I, I was one of the last people in the computer lab room that we were all registering in at the same time because I just couldn't find that um, undergraduate class that I needed. Yeah, and I got screwed out of a couple ones that I wanted, like, uh, what was it, that one with, like, Cadillacs and Cowboys? I think uh, everybody wanted that. Everybody wanted that one, yeah. The nature of going to a large university. <laughs> like, it's like, everybody, like, if you see a class you want, you just have to be so fast. You have to, if there's ones that aren't, like, major specific, you've got to, like, go for it like as fast as you can or get it like you're not gonna get it yeah you gotta copy paste like the unique number for the course in like a word document and then have it in your clipboard and just like control v immediately as soon as it pops open yeah it's like but, trying to get concert tickets that are you know are going to be sold out yeah but like like the gpu it's like all the bots are buying them instantly so you just have to be on it like instantly or else you're not going to get one and then like of course you have like connectivity issues because uh our university's website's pretty crap, not gonna lie. So even if you like get there first, put in the unique number, it's a no guarantee it can still crash on you and you get put out and somebody else gets it. It's nuts. Yeah, but at, I I mean, I feel like it hasn't been like that since freshman year. Oh no. At least for changed. me. It it's changed a lot. Like freshman year was just like the first experience and everybody was doing it at the same exact time but like well the problem was it was uh ugs courses yeah and there's a high demand for those courses and there's honestly not enough of them so what happens is everybody registers for the same ugs's and they just fill up like that can we can we dive a little deeper into what ugs courses are and what y'all yeah. took as ugs courses so UGS, this stands for Undergraduate Studies. It's essentially kind of a filler course for freshmen that are incoming. Uh, it serves as kind of like an exploratory elective, especially for those who don't really know just yet or haven't picked a major. It's, it's an opportunity for them to like explore different routes and see uh, different colleges and see if the, if the course they're taking interests them or not. Uh, for me, 
like I kind of said it, but like I had like ten UGS courses that I wanted to take because they seemed interesting. Um, but I didn't get any of them. So what happened was that I got into a course called um, Disability in the Media. And it was a course on disabled rights and how people uh, form prejudice against people with disabilities. Uh, and it didn't go really deep. It was it's just like an introductory course, but it was kind of interesting to like learn all about like the intense like political stuff about it. But at the end of the day, it was just like an introductory course. And of course, I already knew that I was a geology major. All I, the only reason why I took it was because it was acquired. Yeah, I have no idea if UGS is um, specific to UT. I, I don't know how many other colleges have that same thing. I'm not sure either. Um, UT does have some very specific requirements as far as what courses we need to take for our major um even apart from like major specific courses and um this is kind of an interesting topic because i was talking to an international student um about a week or so ago and they they were kind of taken aback by the fact that um i as an undergraduate had to take classes that were outside of my major like, is that just a United States thing? I I know that there are other colleges that do that, where they're just like, they want to, they have like state guidelines that say, hey, you need to have course material that expands out beyond a certain degree program. Uh, kind of like there's, how you're required. There's a lot of debate about like, whether that's even necessary. Yeah, too. yeah, it's a big thing. It, it's like, it's really outdated too. It, like all these policies were formed like back in like the 80s or 90s or like early 2000s and they don't really apply anymore yeah and i think part of it's a double-edged sword because um on one hand you have people like us who are are very set on what they want to do and are trying to get the best college experience for the lowest amount of money but you also have um you know, people who come into college undecided, and I feel like some of these general classes can be um, very good for their understanding of what they want to do with their major, but having such a strict guideline for it might be a little stressful for the students. Yeah, especially if it's like something that's really useless. Like, I don't know anything about I don't know what a mortgage is. I don't know how to pay my taxes, honestly. Yeah, can we get like a uh, just like professional applications for just a normal household or just yeah. anything like that? Like how to live as an adult? I'd take that course. Yeah, it's it's huge debate and like like do I do it? Did I like that course that I took, Disability Media? Yeah. Do I would I take it again? No, because it's just not something I'm interested in. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's fair. Honestly, um, I took as my UGS course. Um, what was the name of it? America through autobiography, 
and um, I I was actually much more interested in it than I thought I would be. Um, not necessarily some of the topics that we talk about, like some of the um, nationalist frameworks behind the like books and stuff I kind of wasn't as interested in. I'm not much of a politics person, but I did um, enjoy it for the sheer fact that it helped me um, read these books that I otherwise probably wouldn't have read. Um, and I read some pretty interesting books, too, like the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin, the autobiography of Frederick, Del- uh, not, uh, of Frederick Douglass, and, you know, I feel as though those are interesting and cool conversation starters that I know about now, but how much does that improve my future career? Yeah. It's just yeah, like, I would have rather have taken a, a course on, like, TurboTax rather than, like, yeah. for my freshman year, like, I took an online art course. Which was, it was kind of interesting, and I enjoyed going to the Blanton for the activity stuff, but I I really felt like it. I'm never going to use this knowledge in my life, unless I'm talking to an art major, or I'm like visiting a museum in my free time or something like that. So Yeah, and um, like we said before, it seems like these kind of problems tend to go away as you advance into your undergraduate career Um, because now we're taking classes that are much more specific not only to our own interest but just to our major at large right yeah it's changed a lot like once those introductory courses were out of the way it was kind of like streamlined in like which classes we were taking Um, it's still kind of it's a lot more open I can say like I know when I registered for my senior year, like I had to pick a lot of courses and I have a huge range of options to choose from, especially because I had to like fill out some elective hours, tech electives, but it's way more open than it was freshman year for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just um, talking to you about this, Matthew, that I you know, I'm, I have two semesters left that I, I need to take as part of uh, the honors research program that me and you are, are both a part of, Matthew. Um, but I don't have a lot of hours or um, courses that I need to fulfill for the next two semesters. I think I only need like three more classes, two of which aren't even within the geology department so it's kind of weird um how is your experience going into the next semester of registering for classes is it something similar i haven't actually started my registration i know it's going to be up soon right she sent an email on it recently right early registration starts april 19th next monday oh you you do have to take a uh, physics major specific course next year, right, Mason? So uh, 
I don't know the specifics on what I'm taking. I know I'm taking Physics of the Earth, like, next spring probably, but uh, I think I'm taking some MATLAB stuff as well, because with our major, we use MATLAB, which is like, which is called Matrix Laboratory, but it's it's just more of like a data analysis tool for like STEM majors. So it's really popular with geosciences and physics and stuff like that. So I have courses tailored for that, which is nice, rather than art history. <laughs> yeah. And that is um, one thing kind of segueing into talking about uh, the geology course curriculum is that it does become a lot more um, flexible, especially into junior and senior year. Um, now, obviously, of course, we aren't, you know, we have no formal background in any of this. This is just our viewpoint on the geology curriculum, and we recognize that our, our insight into this is kind of biased by the fact that we lost a about a year a year's worth of classes due to the COVID-19 pandemic so this is just our our personal experience of these classes but at UT the basic outline for geoscience majors is that you know, you take your um, math and chemistry courses within your first year, and you take your basic intro to geology course and your life through time course. And then into your second year, you begin taking your physics courses. And um, by then, you're kind of expected to have already completed a couple of um flag requirements which are classes that are outside of your major and you are expected to take um, an earth materials course and a field methods course which basically field methods is well I'll let y'all explain it how, how do y'all describe field methods it's kind of like the introductory to field methods essentially like how you uh, go out into the field, out outdoors to a site, and then geologically recognize features, map them, and understand their meaning, essentially. Yeah, it's like a free trial of being a real geologist. Yeah. Also, your first introduction to stuff like st uh, stratigraphy and cyclicity in geologic processes in a more tactile manner than you get to in previous classes, so... It's less, it a lot. it's less like cookbook, this means this, and more interpretation, what you think something means, as opposed to, um, of course, textbook, read, all that. Yeah, um, I, I definitely enjoyed it too, Michael, and, um, you know, I, it's kind of, one of the otter classes as part of our course curriculum because it like like you said it gets you out into the field it has you do you know what may be considered the core principles of geology getting out into the field and doing field work um, but 
what we're going to talk about is that this often has some issues with inclusivity. Specifically, it can be hard for underrepresented groups um, within our major um, to go into the field and have these experiences. Right. Uh, I, I do want to say that, like, like, we will have like a little bit of bias because the University of Texas, especially the Jackson School, it's, it's it's an amazing program. I mean, the professors are all nice. The graduate students are all amazing, and they do a wonderful job of having that inclusivity. Uh, of course, that's not widespread. I know a lot of courses, really, a lot of universities aren't like that. Um, one of the reasons why I can say is maybe because uh, opportunities like that are required, so there's not really an option to opt out of it. You see from the university's perspective, well, Jackson School at least, it's like, oh, this is field experience, every geologist needs this. So... Yeah. Yeah, and I think there is a big push, especially from faculty and from alumni who really cherish this field camp and I think eventually I'll come to cherish it too once we finally get to experience it yeah. is that yeah, <laughs> yeah um, is that it, it almost feels like a rite of passage but also a bonding between you know the people who go on the field camp and so what what you said Matthew kind of gets to the heart of what I'm trying to ask is should things like this be required? Does having a a universal curriculum like this for people with so many diverse interests, is that going to be harmful or more beneficial to the student? Uh, it's such a gray area. I mean, you have some people like uh, paleontologists uh, and sedimentologists that like it's almost vital for them to actually really get out into the field um and like see these features because it's pretty vital to their science in general um then there's people like me who does most of their work in in a lab as a geochemist i can say that field work isn't really my i guess forte um but I can say that I do value going on these, even though it's required, I still think it's pretty important to my education as a geoscientist scientist, because it exposes me to the other realms of it. Uh, like, even though there are like so many different paths to geosciences, sciences, there's, they're all linked in some way or another. So I think it's important to have that requirement because it really exposes you to other forms of geoscience science. And it helps you understand your major or your specified field better, honestly. Right, and of course we're involved in research, so we have some better idea of what our, our where our disciplines lie. But of course, some people, even at our stage of our undergraduate career, even in third year, don't have such a set plan. Right. And so that experience can be very important, yeah. A lot of people like I think a big hurdle I think is that um, 
it's like you either take it or you don't. I really think that it should be more of, oh, if you really don't want to take this field experience, you can have another option to take instead, instead of a hard yes or no. What what would you say that that option should be? I guess. Not too sure, because it, it's really specific, I guess, per person. I wouldn't know for sure what to say, what the option would be. Because un unless I'm mistaken, um, you know, we're, we're all, well, Matthew, Michael, and myself are part of the general geology major. Mason, you were part of the geophysics major. Now you're going to be part of general geo again, correct? Uh, no, I, uh, for right now, I'm staying in geophysics. I was okay. thinking about doing it, but I ended up staying. Uh, but where, where I was trying to go with that is that some of the other majors within the Jackson School have designated field camps that are different. The uh, hydrology major has a designated field camp for themselves. Do you think there is some benefit in having that customization within your major or should it be more broad scale like the general geology field camp well i think it's good to have the diverse field camp courses because it gives you the hands-on with what you're going to be doing and in the end that's kind of what matters it kind of goes like field methods the baby version of field camp basically gives you the general trademarked geo experience you know so yeah it kind of goes back to like kind of like we were talking about earlier like those early freshman classes that don't really mean much to you like if you say broad like that it doesn't really do much for you it exposes you to like to some things but that specification really starts to uh add on to your major specifically so that's an interesting prospect of still having our field methods class which is general which does have you know a bunch of people from different expertise but then as you progress into your career having a field camp style course which would probably be similar to um what it is now taking place in in the summer of normally third year and having that be more specified to one's interests maybe even um, requiring something major specific with a faculty member, but I can see why that can kind of get into a gray area. Um, because, of course, the faculty here at UT do provide a lot and give a lot of time to making this field camp, and it's already hard enough on them already. Yeah. Yeah, like it's hard for them right now. Like I was uh, talking to somebody, but the professor that runs the um, field camp, like the organization and actual initiation of the field camp is just struggling right now because the funding for all that stuff happens a year in advance. And obviously with this, you don't really know what it's going to be like a year later. So it's just been completely tough on him 
organize everything and ensure that safety is paramount and all that. Yeah, so to provide a little more context into that, um, basically jun juniors going into their senior year are meant to take the field camp course and what ended up happening as a result of the pandemic last year um, no groups were allowed to go to field camp um, as part of you know a safety precaution um, but now this year we're kind of in the aftermath of that where seniors who are about to graduate in a month will have to take field camp in this summer session so they'll have taken it after they graduated and um, because of that faculty are um, having to focus on the seniors who require it to graduate and so us juniors going into senior year are not able to take field camp this year so like you were saying that that just sounds like an administrative headache but let's circle a little back into inclusivity. Now, um, I pulled up the syllabus for the field methods course, which is open source. You can find it online. Um, and I just wanted to read a little passage from it. Field proficiency has long been a distinguishing characteristic of our science. As a geologist, you are expected to be a proficient scientific observer and recorder. Your unique skills and training in this area separate you from lawyers, engineers, chemists, and other professionals with whom you might one day work. Without proper preparation, including a strong grounding in field methods, we would be little better than rock hounds out for a day of casual collecting. Now, <laughs> that's, that's sort of an intense paragraph at least from my perspective it kind of makes us sound like a paramilitary group it's very sassy mm. um but i can i can definitely see why w one might read that and be like huh is this the best environment for me i mean what are y'all's thoughts on that It's not, I could say that field and like field camp or like any kind of field work is, it's not for everyone. I mean, yeah. the, the, the great outdoors can be a little harsh on some people, yeah. especially if they have disabilities of any sort. So it can, you know, create problems. Yeah, I, I can actually speak on that a little bit, like, like with the disability myself, like uh, like freshman year, right? like senior year of high school, like I couldn't get out too much because, or like stay outdoors for a long time because it it was crap. <laughs> uh, thankfully, like I've been in like remission for the past like four years and I've been able to get back out into the field for long periods of time. And I'm actually really looking forward to field camp, but that experience like t tells me like, yeah, it's not, it's not for everyone. And like, it's a lot of times something that they can't control. Yeah, and I think there are a large amount of disciplines within geology that will will never require you to go out in the field. Yeah. 
I mean, Michael, you have a fair bit of experience with um, the curation staff here at UT, and it doesn't seem as though, at least how I view it, that field experience is necessarily comparable to a, a career in geology. Like, it's not necessary. Yeah, it's definitely not something that every single person uses. I do think it's really important to have for a larger context of what you're looking at. Because if you don't understand, for instance, if you're looking at data from a sedimentology site and you're attempting to analyze that data, if you don't understand what the stratigraphy of that site is like and like how it actually works in the real world, the data doesn't mean a lot in the end. You can run as many tests on it as you want, but if you aren't running them with an understanding of why you're running the tests, then there's no reason to run a test. Yeah, that's that's totally valid. That, um, I mean, as most people would probably be able to guess, our field is one that is very hands-on, so that hands-on experience is important. Yeah, and that was kind of taken away from us. <laughs> Geology is not a Lovely. course that can be online. I will state that it is not something that will ever be physically possible to be taught completely online. Yeah, it requires a lot of physicality just being there. All the programming courses and like basic information courses, I mean, that's fine to have that online. It doesn't matter, but Stuff like field methods has to be like in person or else you're just getting a bad experience. Or stuff like lab methods as well. Being able to actually have a hands-on experience with running machinery in a lab is important. Uh, you know, that may not technically be field work, but if you don't know how to actually collect your data, whether that be inside or out, um, then just having the data can lead to not great science sometimes. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, I had to, I have some samples myself that I had to prepare for analysis, and I didn't get as much help with that because the uh, director of the lab couldn't be in the same room with me for a long time because it was a small room, and I think. I might have botched one of my samples by accident just because I didn't have the supervision to ensure that it was correct. Yeah, like UT's like extreme response to COVID-19 is good in terms of like personal safety, but yeah, totally destroyed like cooperative lab activities of all sorts. Yeah, and um, Matthew, I mean, you know Heather, um, she is a senior this year who, well, w last year when the COVID pandemic broke out, she was beginning her thesis and becoming introduced into a lab group. And then due to the pandemic, she had to completely scrap it all and start with a new project at a new lab group. And I, I, I couldn't imagine personally how that would feel having to go from go go do something like that you know <laughs> yeah i actually can relate because i was uh i was interviewing for a uh, 
research position on campus for stuff with methane hydrates. And I was in like the final stages of it and like whether or not I'd actually get in or not. I got an email about a week before all our classes was canceled saying, hey, we're going to have to call it off because of the COVID. And honestly, if it had never happened, I might have been doing completely different research as opposed to today. Yeah, and I, um, as for me, when the pandemic broke out, I was actually about to start um, working in a thin section lab, helping prepare these rock samples to be observable under a microscope and help train people to do that. Um, but also in part because of that, I was able to dedicate more of my time to my research. And I honestly don't know if I would be involved with the honors program had I not been taken aback, had I not get that, gotten that fundamental research experience. Right. But, um, yeah, and obviously the, a lot of STEM, especially geoscience, has a problem with inclusivity and, um, diversity at large, but at the same time, we, we have a very dedicated staff here at UT who is very willing to hear our input on these issues and spends tireless hours to dedicate themselves to fixing them. Um, I mean, Matthew, you and I um, had a conversation with two of the faculty here at UT as a part of our honors, yeah, as a part of our honors class, and I don't know, they definitely seemed um, very responsive to what we had to say. Right. Uh, to kind of explain, uh, we had two professors who are kind of like the heads almost on the core curriculum for undergraduates here at the Jackson School, and they wanted personal feedback from their undergraduates on like what was working within the program and what wasn't. And it seemed that they weren't doing it out of um, like requirement. They were doing it simply because they wanted to help us, which is amazing. Like, because a lot of universities don't do that. They set up a uh, program or a core curriculum and they set, set it in stone, but they certainly seemed like they wanted to help us ensure that we were learning everything to the greatest capacity. Yeah, and so to drive home that point, we obviously, <laughs> we're, we're just undergraduate students, you know. We, we'd have no authority in what says goes as far as that is concerned, but uh, we just kind of wanted to provide our input on some of these issues because they are very big issues for the geoscience community at large <laughs> a lot of it was just the uselessness of physics too but <laughs> it's still, it was still useful it was still important yeah M mason do you have a rebuttal for that me suffering in wave motion and optics oh lord have you used that at all in anything geology related well I've, I've used like a bunch of the wave equations from physics, well, 
wave motion and optics, like it, it's all the differential wave equations, like and the imaginary parts, like Fourier series and stuff like that. Like it's it's really complicated stuff, and it's like really pertinent to actual seismology. So I mean, I need it, but y'all probably don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, and um, and at the end of the day, this very general course curriculum that we do have is what allowed us to have um, a lot of the experiences with both graduate and undergraduate students that we probably wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, like I'm still kind of happy that I took the course, or some of the courses, but like, Michael, have you ever used circuits at all? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> I, I am not. <laughs> yeah. Well, people that work with like actual instruments will probably need to know the basics of yeah. and stuff like they that. They definitely need to. But that does seem very like geophysics heavy, doesn't it? Yeah. But still there is like other things like groundwater ground groundwater? Groundwater. Why did I say that weird? Okay. Groundwater monitoring and whatnot, like just soil acidity, stuff like that. It's like not really geophysics. I mean, you're still going to be using like electronic instruments for that. So I feel like a basic yeah. understanding of circuitry would help for that. I mean, Michael's just doing CT scans and stuff. I'm like, you'd probably need a professional to like probably service the instrument, but for him to actually interpret it, he doesn't really need that knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Again, like we said before, it's that double-edged sword, but um, that is also a problem that's not just Jackson School specific or UT specific. It's um, it's a uh, well, it's a it's basically a national requirement for STEM majors to have that background. So, okay, did y'all have any? final thoughts for us wrapping up no not really yeah there's just like a huge gray area and honestly our input is just one opinion out of like a hundred thousand yeah we have like very kind of narrow opinions and narrow experiences i guess mm -hmm. well but see that's why i wanted to bring this conversation up because at the end of the day, if people like us can do our part to help strive for better diversity, then we'll have even more input and even more diversity in the future, and it's kind of cyclical. That's true, yeah. But anyway, that seems like it'll do it for today. Um, thank you all for joining me for the second episode of the Geo Boys podcast, and um, like I said before, these are being posted on Fridays to Spotify. Hopefully these will also become posted to YouTube eventually or some other platform. But for now, that's where to find them. And um, yeah, hopefully see you all next week. Thank you.